You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions because it's time to dish the dirt. On The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Well, good morning, Charlie. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. How yeah, are you doing, little, Franklin? Very good. Uh, was you kind of nippy this morning when I woke? Uh, I it was minus 12. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. It's a little warmer by the time I got up. <laughs> you <laughs> well, get up much, way too early. <laughs> well, yeah, I, uh, I'm i so darn busy with some other shows and so forth that I'm I'm waking up in the middle of the night mm-hmm. and working on the, on the shows in, in the my night. sleep. You know, oh, my oh, brother. Anyway, a ton of fun, ton yeah. of fun. And um, so here we are. It's a Bright, sunshiny day, beautiful Blinding, blue sky. beautiful, but blindingly sunny. So take your sunglasses yeah. and clean your windshield oh, if you're exactly. driving. Oh, exactly, yeah. And if you got some shades, put them on, as you're, particularly yeah. if you're heading in the easterly direction. Huh? <laughs> All righty. Hey, let me let me get the phone numbers on the air. Okay. Uh, in Toronto, 416-360-0740 to reach Charlie. Or anywhere in the province, for that matter, toll-free, 1-866-744-740. And just a quick hello to Jim there in Philadelphia. Who is hanging on the line? He must be dropping his own nickel on this thing. So we won't be too, too long getting to you, Jim, okay? Yeah. All right. Uh, what do you have for us as far as notes uh, might be concerned, Charlie? Well, you do. <clears throat> we love the announcements, right? Yep. So, announcement number one coming up this week. Uh, the Oh, yeah, no, no, it's not even this week. February 13th. So it's a couple of weeks. Okay. But nevertheless, the Burlington Hort Society will be having their monthly general meeting Wednesday, February 13th at 7.30 p.m. They meet at the Burlington Senior Center, which is 2285 New Street at Drury Lane in Burlington. Mm -hmm. There's an excellent movie called The Gardener being shown uh, with popcorn. Now, that is an amazing, amazing movie. So if you can get to this um, event, do so. Social time's at 7 o'clock, and I guess the movie starts about 7.30. Everyone is welcome. To, mm-hmm. to come on down. Um, also, same day, February 13th, the Riverdale Hort Society. They meet at the Franklin Community Center on Logan, just south of the Danforth. Anna Leggett will be doing a presentation entitled Growing Shakespeare. Really? Yeah, and you're going, what? Well, yeah. apparently, Shakespeare mentions 186 plants, flowers, trees, shrubs, herbs, and medicinal plants in his writings. So we can grow many of these and some or improved versions of them. So Anna will describe some of these plants with quotes from the plays, etc., and explain how we can grow them in the Toronto area. Forsooth, dear lady. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, hold on a minute. Uh, think of something. <laughs> I have not... No no comeback. Uh, <laughs> Not um, quite how Will, <clears throat> William Shakespeare would have written that little routine, but probably nonetheless. Not. Um, <laughs> just put on your calendar February, Saturday, February 23rd, 10 a.m. to 3 p.m., the Jump on Spring. The annual Jump on Spring mm-hmm. and CD Saturday is happening at the Toronto Botanical Gardens. That's an all-day, well, all-day, 10 to 3 yep. event, obviously open. Uh, exhibitors, cool stuff for spring, get all jazzed right. up and excited for what's right around the corner. And a special guest is going to join us next week. Yes, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, Terry Kennedy. She has joined us by phone in the past. Last year, for the first time, she actually came into the studio. And she comes to give everybody a little bit of uh, information and background on the upcoming Orchid Show. Yeah. So there, there's the 
put that on your calendar for the weekend of February 9th and 10th. And again, that's at the Toronto Botanical Gardens. It is an amazing show. Smells great, looks great, really, really wild and wacky orchids. All righty. All right. It is um, photography there can be challenging because it's so crowded. So if you're trying to do anything fancy with tripods, et cetera. That's usually two hours before the show opens. You make make arrangements. Exactly. Very limited group of people are allowed in on Sunday morning between 9 and 11 a.m. with Mm -hmm. tripods. Otherwise, you you just get you're getting jostled and you can get your phone out. But that's as good as you can do during the show. Twelve dollars to get in the door. Okay, cheap. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. And I think Terry's going to bring some tickets with her next weekend. So we will have some giveaways. All right. So we have to come up with make folks work for the most challenging questions. Exactly. (laughs) Okay. All right, Charlie. uh, Notes taken care of, and uh, uh, Jim down in Philadelphia is drumming his fingers on the on the table. Okay, coming to me. Yes. Right after these words, Jim, we're going to. Philadelphia here on The Garden Show. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. So just before we go international, Charlie, let's get those phone numbers one more time. 416-360-0740, anywhere in the province of Ontario, toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. And a huge hello to Jim down there in Philadelphia. How are you doing, my friend? Good morning. Good morning. How are you, Charlie good Frank? Good morning. Good. Nice and warm in Philadelphia today? Well... Here, I'm just outside of Philly. We're at yeah. 26 degrees Fahrenheit. Oh, now it's yes. cold. Ground yeah. frozen. A little bit below zero. But where are we at? Yeah. Where, are we? where we are at. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, right. No, we are the same uh, yeah. growing zone. Yeah, we are. So that's interesting. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But perfect time to talk, Charlie, about mm. garden beetles. Mm-hmm. The three big ones. Mexican bean beetle, cucumber beetle. And flea beetle. Mm. What's a way to handle those three if it's independent? I don't know if you have some time tonight. You can just talk a little on those three big guys. Uh, honestly, beetles, um, uh, Mexican bean beetle was one, cucumber beetle. What was the other one? Oh, flea beetle. Flea beetle. Okay, so I not the bean beetle and the flea beetle I am not familiar with. I don't think we have those. Oh, the wow. Cucumber beetles we do. Um, okay. And... They are a huge problem because what they end yeah. up doing is they, they often are carrying viruses and things oh. and they start, they take a few bites and <clears throat> before you know it, <clears throat> your cucumbers die, yeah. not because of damage done by the beetles, but by other secondary mm-hmm. infections that they bring with them. Best way, I mean, there's a couple of things we do to protect our plants from beetles because beetles are hard. It's not like you can go out and spray them. They move too fast. They've got hard bodies. So it's even the sprays we use in Ontario that are legal in Ontario are things like soap and water or an oil-based spray. And you just can't chase the beetles fast enough to coat their bodies and actually be effective with so many of the sprays. So two ways to protect plants from beetles is with uh, what's called a floating row cover. So that's a really, really fine mesh, like almost like cheesecloth mm-hmm. that goes over the plants to and is tucked in all around at the bottom at ground level so that the beetles, as they're flying through, 
can't land on the plants. <clears throat> the limiting factor with this, of course, is that you need pollination to take place and that you need insects to go in and out of the cucumber flowers hmm. to do the pollination. So timing is everything. So you have to be tracking where the beetles are in their life cycle and prevent the problem uh, and get out there with your row covers for that period of time when the, the beetles are are in the neighborhood. No insect hangs around for very long as a as a pest because their life cycle moves so quickly. They're often just a problem for, you know, 10 days, two weeks kind mm-hmm. of thing. Um, the other thing is traps. There are often traps that you can use that are pheromone-based traps that attract the beetles into the trap and then they can't get out. Um, a good um, supplier for traps of beetles is a company called Natural Insect Control, and they're based in St. Catharines. They do mail order, and they have a great website. So I'd recommend maybe checking them out, NIC, for what they might have on the go for, for preventing it. They definitely have Japanese beetle traps. Keep in mind, though, sometimes when we put these traps up, we attract more beetles than we would have had Draw in our... more in. in our, mm-hmm. Exactly. So what you do is you go to the neighbor that you really don't like and you put it on their property. <laughs> or, <Yeah>. or <laughs> I didn't say that, did I? Um, the, um, if optimally you've got like a schoolyard nearby, like really nearby, and the kids aren't there in the summer anyway, you put it in the schoolyard. So you try, you, you want to put these traps them off away. your property, yeah. but close by so that you can empty them on occasion. Because if they're effective, they fill up really fast. Well, uh, back to the uh, row covers. So mm-hmm. you're saying if I can get get the plants out, start to get them established, mm-hmm. get the covers on. Mm-hmm. The bee the beetles are attracted, I think, by the smell. Once they find them, if they can't get to them, they're going to move on. If I got a good two week period that I can keep them off, I got a shot of yep. keeping them out. Yeah, 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 exactly. Uh-huh. It's, it's just staying on top of where we like. Every spring and summer is different, and insect life cycles and where they are in terms of their eggs hatching and larvae. How would you track that down, though? I mean, well, yeah, the, the you have to be really nerdy. You have to be right <laughs> on. T- well, you'll have, yeah. so they have extension services in the states that we don't have, like county extension. So you or your local hort society oh. might be able to help. Um, here we would go to OMAFRA which stands around the Ontario Ministry of Agriculture, Food and Rural Affairs. And they have um, constantly, they have blogs coming out. And there's a whole vegetable blog. Let you know ve- veggie blog. when things are happening. That's right. And so they'll keep you on top. And you can send an email. And you can just say, look, you know, where are we on the, on the uh, cucumber? Beetle? You must have uh, organizations like that in the States, Jim, right? Mm-hmm. The extension Charlie was talking about, uh, Penn State has a huge one right. in every county. Right. Oh. So I've never used them for guarding, so I might have to get in touch with them. Yeah, check, check yeah. them. I'm sure they have something at a point where you can access them, whether it's by phone or email, uh, or they may even have, like like we have here, these sort of weekly blogs that just give anybody who subscribes to these blogs just gives you an update on what's going on. Hey, that's good. But but you're right. It hits me. Put a trap crop out somewhere. Once I see them, <laughs> have my main ones that I'm covered. Ah. <laughs> and they might even there might be something else in the arsenal that I'm not even thinking about that yeah. you might have access to. Because remember, we have a whole bunch of laws around pesticides that you don't have. Okay. Right. Gotcha. Okay. Do you have squash bugs? Squash bugs, n- not squash vine borers, but no. squash bugs. They lay right on the underside of the leaf, just these little creepy crawly things, and they just explode mm. come late summer. Oh, um, not that I know of. 
I'm, I no, have to wow. check that one. Let me check that. Yeah, you're gonna have to move to Ontario, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's amazing. I think we have an invisible wall, maybe. Yeah, yeah. The, don't mention wall. Insects aren't don't coming mention through. Wall. <laughs> we keep them up. Uh, yeah, please don't, Frank. <laughs> <laughs> thanks a lot, Jim. Okay, for guys. Well, thanks for the info, Charlie. <laughs> thanks for yeah. calling. Take care, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> From Philadelphia. Okay. Yeah. Do you know uh, what? Now, um, now I gotta me... Google all this stuff. Well, He's got know, me going now. <laughs> that was a rather lengthy phone call, which is great. It's very interesting stuff, but we have to go to a, a break here. So let me just repeat those phone numbers, 416-360-0740, and then anywhere in the province, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. For those of you who would like to write an uh, email to Charlie, we welcome that too, or at least she would. <laughs> All righty. It's c.dobbin, D-O-B-B-I-N, at mzmedia.com. Dot com. And we'll be back to say hi to Gabrielle here in Toronto in just a couple of moments. Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. All right, Charlie. Now, you had just uh, reached for a little information there just before we went to a break. Yeah, I know. I know something was going on. What, my was, what was happening there? Little cogs were turning in my brain there. So, um, <laughs> no, Jim just brought up some interesting insects. I've obviously heard of them, but I haven't experienced them. Mm. So I was doing some quick looking around here. Um, Mexican bean beetles do not exist that I can see in Ontario. Flea beetles do exist in Ontario, but they are a huge pest of canola, mustard, and rapeseed. So, uh, you know what? I'd be interested if there's anybody listening who's had experience with flea beetles eating any of their crops in their home gardens to give us a call and tell me more about that, because I do find that interesting. If you did have flea beetle issues, though, apparently dusting your plants with plain talcum powder repels flea beetles. Really? On tomatoes, potatoes, peppers, and other plants, use white sticky traps to capture flea beetles as they jump. So there are sticky traps for them. Insecticides may be used early in the season, but are generally unnecessary in the control of flea beetles on adult plants. Well, there so they're go. a problem, I guess, earlier in the season more than any, okay, any other there, time. So. There's the challenge then for somebody who has crops that might be affect, affected by flea beetles. Give us a call and let us know. <laughs> Meantime, uh, Gabrielle in Toronto is on the line. Good morning, Gabrielle. Welcome to the show. Yes, good morning. It's been ages since I called in. I miss your show. I'm I'm sorry. I've been busy trying to do things at my house. Now, I I I bought two Colorado spruce trees once upon a time. One I couldn't water because it was round the bend mm-hmm. behind my garage. It's uh, one of those small properties, 25 feet by 132 deep. Mm-hmm. Now, what I'd like to do is trim back the one that is growing really well. Um, what's, I know it's the best time to trim them back in February. I remember that from other shows. No. So, oh, wait, no. Wait, wait, no. Um, so, okay, you, what you're starting to say here is something that is classic, where we fall in love with that beautiful little bright blue soft little puppy of a plant that's yeah. a baby well, blue spruce. Well, it was that small, but, you know, I bought them directly from that lovely nursery up Humber Nursery. Oh, yes, lovely. And oh, course, they have beautiful stuff They there. sure do. The, um, <laughs> yeah, so, the, so the small Colorado spruce 
grows. So, and it's, they're kind of famous for being planted typically in the wrong spot. And when they grow, they now make our front doors inaccessible or our no, no, driveways. It's in the backyard. Or, but the problem yeah. is, one time I saw this place and I thought I could do that, you know, where they really trim them back and they look like pop, um, you know, those tall poplars, you know, where they're just nice and slim. Hmm. But I, I really wanted to do something like that, but I was busy trying to renovate my house so I can mm. get rental income. Yeah, okay. So there are some varieties of blue spruce which grow naturally very, very narrow, but just your regular, everyday... Oh, you mean you you can buy them where they grow narrow? I y- didn't know that. Yes. That's interesting. Yeah, you can buy blue spruces that stay I'm small. I'm taking notes, by the okay. way. I'm not just, uh, you know... You can, you can always listen to our I'm podcast al- I've always well. been taking notes. I'm a... I'm a, a I, see, I, I took a couple of courses at Ryerson, but I don't, I'm not good at Latin names, you know, oh, oh, for okay. um, landscape design and all that. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Yeah, Go so, ahead. So no worries. So I was just going to say, when, when it comes to the Colorado spruce, which are such a popular plant, there are several different cultivars on the market that grow different forms. Some stay shorter, some stay fat, are fatter no, and shorter. No, I have two dwarfs in the front yard. Yeah, That's yeah. no problem. Some are globes, exactly. Yeah, so, I know that. Bottom, I know the varieties. Bottom line is, to if you're doing any pruning, on an evergreen, yeah. the, the time to do it is when it's when the, you're seeing new growth. Typically in Ontario, that's June, might be early June, might be mid June. But when really? you're seeing all that bright turquoise, new soft growth, that's when you can go out and do some tip pruning, and that oh, new growth. I thought it was like in February. No, not with evergreens. Start. Yeah, really? No, no. The only thing you really prune is deciduous plants that are dormant, uh, particularly fruit trees. We definitely prune yeah, those no, in late but, you winter. You know, the squirrels ate my plum trees. Oh, dear. Yeah. I, had to dig, I had to dig them out. <laughs> yeah, they love edible things, don't they? It's horrible because I was, you know, my uncle started them in Montreal. He would take the seed from plums. Oh, and, wow. And my parents brought, I don't know how they survived 401 because my dad drives like a really speed Gonzalez, you know. And I was so happy to have them because I designed like an ori- oriental patio thing with right. no grass. Even nice. the front yard has no grass. And my neighbor was shocked. She said, oh, your yard is so private. Oh, good. Well, good. So, excellent. Good questions and nice. Sounds like you've got a lovely space there. Um, and like I said, pruning when they're actively growing. You can't do anything too radical, though. So, remember, it's tip pruning only. Okay, Gabriel. Good luck with that, Gabriel. Yeah. Hope, hope you've been uh, helped with those suggestions from Charlie. And uh, it'd be a good thing to maybe go into a, a garden center and ask for those particular uh, d- If you want plants. to read place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice and slim. Yeah, like there's one available. blue spruce called the Fat Albert. Yeah. So guess what? It's not slim. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. The exact right. opposite. <laughs> okay, uh, and our phone numbers are in Toronto, 416-360-0740 and anywhere in the province, toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. You know what I forgot to mention? Mm. Our little mantra. Call early, call often, one question per call, and if you have a you know a first-time caller, let us Sebastian, no, and you'll hear that before you get to the airways. But look who took advantage of that little offer. Smart. Call anytime, you know, the second time around. Jim in Philadelphia on the line again. <laughs> Hi, Jim. Hey, good morning again. Good morning again. <laughs> Charlie, I thought if you had time, mm. garden tomatoes, growing them in the garden, mm. no special protection. Mm. 
want to get as many the production as good as I can this year. Do you prune them? Do you do suckering? I do. Do you trellis them? Or I do you tra- let them grow in cages? I'll just shut up. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I train them. But it depends what variety. Remember, there's two. Tomatoes grow in two it's different ways. Indeterminate. I'm yeah. Sorry, go ahead. So if it's an indeterminate, meaning it's a vine tomato and it'll grow very tall, I stake, I do both. I stake and cage them and I do remove suckers. So I do train them, uh, keep them. As, and then once we get to in here in Ontario, we get to about the third week of August or second week of August, I will take the top off or even the end of August because by that time they're eight feet tall anyway and they're starting to curl over and take that top off and then allow if, if it wants to start suckering at that point to happen and get what's on the plant um, mature and edible and forget starting new new little baby tomatoes. So we're not encouraging flowers at the end of the summer. We're just encouraging ripening of the fruit that's on the plants at that point. But yes, they're heavy feeders, so fertilize them consistently. Lots of good organic matter in your soil, lots of great sunshine, and most importantly, great air circulation. So don't make don't plant them too close together. Not too close, yeah. yeah. Is there any you know of any varieties that you can will ripen over the winter. You pull them and they're green. They're, they're more grown for this to sit and through the late fall and winter, they'll slowly ripen and be ready just to keep getting a fresh tomato. Anything like that out there, you know? Well, I mean, any tomato, if you do, you know, a frost is coming and you have to go out there and, and harvest a bunch of green tomatoes, you can obviously eat green tomatoes. I mean, I have a great recipe I've put out before. Green tomato, what is it? Green tomato jam. It's made with strawberry jello, believe it or not. So there's, green tomatoes can also obviously be fried up and eaten with eggs or uh, wrap them. I just wrap them individually in newspaper. <clears throat> a single sheet of newspaper, and they will start to ripen up in the newspaper. Then you get them, as soon as there's a bit of red, get them out of the newspaper and get them on a window ledge, and they'll slowly ripen up on the window ledge. But to keep going all winter would be tough. They'd, you'd never be able to keep them. They'll rot before we get to this time of winter. Right, right. Um, so for trellising, do you clean off, remove the lower leaves as you go, or do you no. just leave as many of those that are not yellowing or dying yet? You let those just keep growing? That's a good question, actually. Um, I do end up by July removing some leaves because it, the plant gets so leafy, foliage heavy, that we end up with the fruit is buried in under the foliage and is very slow to ripen. So we need to get those little green tomatoes exposed mm. to the sun. So I very selectively remove some foliage. Um, but you want to do that like selectively, number one. And if you do too much too fast, you'll sunburn your tomatoes. So it's one of yeah, those. I was going to say, I thought you needed to keep the leaves yeah. so that they wouldn't get a sun scold. No, that's right. So that's what I mean. You've got to, if you're going to remove, uh, you know, a large leaf that's covering uh, a little bunch of tomatoes, you do it on a, preferably on a cloudy day. You want the whole thing to sort of happen gently to the tomatoes. Okay. And if you've got yellow leaves, definitely remove those and remove them right off the property, you know, out to the garbage because they'll have right, 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 right. all kinds of Blakes okay. that happen, right? Yeah. Right. That was all one tomato, but one question. About I know. That was very smooth. <laughs> <laughs> you worked oh, yeah, it Thanks in. a lot. Thanks, Charlie. Matthew, Have a good day. Yeah, you betcha. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Uh, what do we got here? 935 almost. Hey, we've got a call here. Uh, wait a minute now. From Betty in Cayuga. And oh, um, is that right? First time caller? Is that right, uh, Betty? Yeah, sounds like it. Yeah. Good morning. There we are. How are you? Welcome. I haven't seen you since you were at the uh, Caledonia Home and Garden Show years and years ago. That wow. was a 
long time ago. That's when I was still at White Rose. <laughs> Ancient history, eh? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I wanted to know uh, why my tulip tree has been in the north side of my house for about 10 years and not blossoming. Um, so you're calling it a tulip tree. Is it a magnolia? No tulip. It really is a tulip tree? Yeah, tall, 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 but no no blossoms. Liriodendron? Pardon? Is it, you, I just want to be sure that we're talking about the right, same plant here. Uh, Liriodendron is the proper name of a tree that's commonly referred to as tulip tree. Right. Um, the, the leaves look like a maple leaf with the, the middle lobe. Somebody took a bite out of it. Yeah, really pretty. Yeah, okay, so that's it. Uh, not flowering. Okay, no. So you're zone five, yes? Um, really weird place, clay soil. Yeah, because this this is not a super hardy plant. It no. may be that the flowers, <clears throat> the flower buds get frosted off in the spring. Right. The, the flowers are they they do look a li- like tulips, but they're very pale. Quite right. often, people don't even notice them. Is it possible that it could have be blooming and you're just not noticing the the blooms? Right. Um, that is a suggestion as well. Um, make sure it's getting good air circulation, good sunshine. Um, lovely plant, though. And it's, it's beautiful. Yeah. So just you check it every day, looking for flowers in the, oh, sp- yeah. in the spring? <laughs> yeah. Wish it would come, but no, not yet. <laughs> All right. Well, give it a chance. Sometimes it's a maturity thing. Uh, so how long ago did you plant it? Oh, about 10 years, yeah, I got oh, it from, uh, oh gosh, um, oh, they, 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 oh, I can't see, you get on the air and you don't know what to say, that's, <laughs> that's odd for me. That's all right. <laughs> um, all right, well, um, you know what, do you ever fertilize it? No. Might want to consider doing that um, in the spring. Okay. Some fertilizer. Now, I'm not a big fan of the, you know, those stakes that you pound into the ground. Right. But certainly top dressing with some nice organic matter might be a nice idea. Right. Uh, might want to consider that. Uh, yeah. I mean, those are all sort of way top dressing. Do you mulch or is there lawn growing right up to the tree? No. Okay. I have clay. Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> Whether so you like it or not, we've got it. Yeah, so that, there's what you need to do. You need to get, get some organic matter, so whether right. it's composted manure or homemade compost, but you need to get you know For some sure. 100% organic material top-dressed around. Now, not touching the, the trunk of the tree, no. but around the tree, out at least a meter or more from the trunk, okay. uh, an inch or two deep. Okay, thank okay. you so much. Appreciate it. Oh, you're very welcome. Take I care. love that tree. You Thanks. too. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us from Cayuga. Start your yeah. engines, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, Sir Bob. Um, yeah, I think we might have uh, Gabrielle back with us here. What time is it now? Uh, 9.30. Let's, let's take a quick little break and then come back to have another, I think, yeah. uh, second time round for Gabrielle in Toronto. Hold the line. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. All righty, Charlie. Let's get back to the phone lines and look who's there. Gabrielle from Toronto again. Hi, Gabrielle. Yes, hi. It's the second call because I have a very important question to ask. I've seen these greenhouse kits at garden shows. And I'm really tempted to buy one. And what I was thinking is also having like two levels where I can do the, um, you know, the gardening where you can get plants growing like lettuce and different things like that in water. Oh, uh, okay. So, but just to be clear, greenhouse kits that are full sized, attached to your house, kind of greenhouse kits, or no, no, it would be uh, in the backyard because I, I always see where the sun is. Mm-hmm. 
I have a bit of, uh, you know, this house was built like, mm-hmm. the original house was built 85 years ago. Sure. So they did a mutual drive in a garage. Right. But I got somebody to help me to keep the raccoons away from the Good. neighbor's garage. <laughs> but there's a big area behind that garage. And, you know, I would love to get one of these greenhouses back there. But what I'm also afraid of is because the, the, they are with these pointy things on top. Would hmm. that be a problem for lightning strikes? Uh, no. You know what? Those, the greenhouse kits, great idea. I mean, if you are somebody who wants to be able to start little seeds and mm-hmm. get your starter plants going early, be ready to get out into the vegetable garden or the flower garden right as soon as we're frost-free, a greenhouse can be an excellent place to get those things going. Plus, you can extend your season, right? Harvest later in the, in mm-hmm. the summer, start harvesting earlier in the spring. Um, do not be concerned about lightning and that sort of thing, because these kits are, if it's a good kit, properly designed, they are are well-grounded and will not be a problem in terms of, you know, exploding in your backyard due to lightning strikes. So, yeah, I mean, not inexpensive and certainly need to be built by a professional. Okay, so, so check uh, check yeah. at your nearest garden center with yeah. with the folks there and they'll Good. help you out. Wonderful for idea. Sure. sure. All righty, let's go to, oh, a first-time caller here from nice. just around the corner, maybe, Margaret. <laughs> hey, there we go. First-time caller, Margaret. Um, Good morning. Morning. Good morning. Hi. So um, I'm like the other lady. I'm calling about a blue spruce. Mm-hmm. And what I did was um, I bought one at the um, corner store because I got tired of looking at those um, urns that were already, you know, made up for Christmas. Uh-huh. So I saw this little bru- uh, this uh, spruce tree, uh-huh. and I took it home, put it in my urn, and decorated it for Christmas. Mm-hmm. So my intent is to bring it up north. Um, I have a um, cottage in Bob Cajun, right. so I want to plant it there. And I'm wondering if uh, it'll it'll do all right oh, that far north. I likely. Guess. Now you didn't bring it in the house, did you? No, I Good. I left it outside. Good. Good. That was my second question. Yeah, keep it outside, and uh, your only issue is that when we have very cold weather like we have right now. Plants that are above ground in pots, the, the the roots are very exposed to all that cold, and they can sometimes die above ground. Oh, okay. Um, now, blue spruce is a pretty tough plant. Most of them are a zone 2, hardy to zone 2 plant. And, of course, Bob Cajun is like zone 4. So no issues in, if it gets through the winter and it's in good shape in the spring. Uh, definitely, t- as soon as the ground is thawed up at the cottage, get it in the ground. But keep in mind, this plant wants to be 40 feet tall and 20 feet wide in 20 years. So, That's okay. So make sure you're planting it in a situation where it can achieve its full form. And, uh, and of course, you know, it prefers a well-drained soil. Um, you know, just don't put it in a, in a soggy spot. And, no, we're and, on limestone there. And, yeah. And, uh, I... I don't know how deep I can get it, though. That's the problem. Oh, you don't need to plant very deep. It's probably not a very large pot that the plant's in now. So when we're planting trees, the wisdom now is to really just go the dig your hole the depth of the pot. Oh, okay. Or, a, you know, an inch deeper t- type thing at the most. Mm-hmm. Uh, and wider. You want to go wide and sh- and depth of root ball. Because we now know that when you really look at where the root's growing when it comes to trees, all the roots on trees, no matter how big the tree is, all the roots are in the top 18 inches of the soil because that's where they get water, that's where they get gas, like yeah, air. That's, that's quite true. Yeah. You see them falling over and, yeah. and I'm see surprised how, how they're not very deep. Exactly. So 
you see those 40-year-old mm-hmm. spruce knocked over in a wind, and there they are with two-foot-deep uh, roots. Okay. So, yeah, but just uh, do water that plant that's in your urn um, on occasion. Just if, Particularly if it's in any sun. Try and protect it from sun and wind, and do water it on occasion. It's just on my porch. Okay. Um, so there's nothing I can do to protect the roots now um, for the winter um, um, weather next week? Um, really rough. Weather. Do you have a bale of straw kicking around? Not, not no. Because <laughs> um, that can be very effective because of the air that's in straw. Mm-hmm. Um, so sometimes we'll use like an old wool blanket, felt. Felt can be effective. Okay, I can do that. Just something yeah, that will. You're not going to necessarily want to wrap the plant. Mm-hmm. You just want to try and. and um, Protect it from the extreme cold that's coming. All and right. that's the root ball you're really trying to protect. And make sure you get some, some uh, warm, warm room temperature water on it. All right. I'll, I'll send you a picture once I get it um, planted. Okay, perfect. All right. <laughs> Thank you very much. You're very welcome. Thank you for calling in. Appreciate okay, that. Bye have now. A, yeah. Have a wonderful Don't weekend. Don't be a stranger. Don't be a stranger. <laughs> exactly right. Well, let's see. What's our time? Oh, we good. we got time for another call here before mm-hmm. our next little break. From Chatham. Here's Gene. Good morning, Gene. Good morning. Good morning. Nice to talk to you again. Yeah, thanks for calling. I have had two anthurium plants given to me. One Mm. is older than the other, so one doesn't have any flowers on it, but the second one still does. Mm -hmm. Um, The leaves are turning black at the points, or brown, Mm -hmm. and I try to only water once every two weeks. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's lots of little leaves coming up from the bottom. And will I ever get this plant to flower again? <laughs> All right. So tell me, have you got it in any uh, in a window or light? What's the light levels like? The one is in the front window that has this morning sun, mm-hmm. and it's on a coffee table or a corner table. Okay. And the other one is on the dining room table um, where the patio doors are, so it kind of gets a darker light during right. the day. All right. So what I would do is I would get them both into the lighter location so that, because this is a plant that doesn't need direct sunlight, but it does want a bright spot. Um, you should, I don't know about watering every two weeks. It's more got to do with what the soil feels like. Never want to let an anthurium dry out the way we would let a cactus dry out or a jade plant dry out. You always, always want to have a certain amount of moisture available to the plant. Um, when you are watering, make sure you're using water that has sat out uh, for at least 24 hours. Always. Always. Do you do that now? Yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. good. Because that, that you want to avoid the fluoride and the various things that are in our water, which should off-gas if the water is sitting out for at least 24 hours, plus it goes to room temperature, which the plant prefers. Our days are getting longer, noticeably. So I would suggest that you get, do you have any kind of an all-purpose fertilizer at home? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would consider starting to fertilize when we can all can start fertilizing our plants, you know, in the next week or two, February, fine time to get out the fertilizer, mix that up in the water. You could go start at half strength, whatever the recommendation is to mix, do half the, that amount so that the next time you water, you water with half strength fertilized water. And I think you'll find that will help as well when it comes to that Leaf expansion and le- and flowers popping up. But a little brighter light will help with le- uh, flower formation as well. And would you put it out in the summer? 
outside and if I did I would put it into a quite I'd put it in under in a quite shady location and uh, it would love the humidity outside it's but it do not put it in the sun you it'll just burn up so it would go in a pretty shady spot and if you needed to transplant that would be a good time to transplant as well when you would have it out in the spring and summer Um, how often would I fertilize oh once a month okay okay I will try that all right let us know (laughs) <laughs> Sounds good, Gene. And we we'll always Thank welcome you for your calling. Call yeah, uh, lines lines are open at four one six three six zero zero seven forty here in Toronto, and anywhere in the province. In fact, toll free one eight six six seven forty four seven forty. Going to give you a little bit of a breather. My gosh, you've been going like uh, a mad woman over there. <laughs> so let's take a little break here in the I garden am show. A mad woman. You are a mad woman indeed. <laughs> Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. And the sous chef, Frank Proctor, here along with Charlie on this uh, good-looking Saturday morning. A little chilly, but nonetheless nice and bright. Nice day to be inside and just admire the blue sky. You got it. Now, you've got an <laughs> email to deal ooh with. and ah over some of the seed catalogs yeah, and oh, some yeah. of the spring events that are coming up. Uh, there's an. I did get an email from Kim, and she says... I would like to ask you a question about amaryllis and orchids. See, this is mm. the thing about email. People sneak in the extra question. <laughs> yeah. So she says, my amaryllis has dried up after flowering. What should I do? All right. So anybody who's got amaryllis, that's the bulb that we grow mm-hmm. typically at flowers around Christmas time. Remember, once the flowers are finished, the petals will dry up. That's get out your little scissors and trim off those petals. You, the green flower stalk should be left in place. Mm-hmm. The green leaves will grow. They should be left in place. You water the, this plant, this pot, with the bulb in it as required. Don't overwater. You'll rot the bulb. But you do need to grow it on for uh, right through till August. Mm-hmm. As that flower stem shrivels up, remove it, but let those leaves grow. So this is a large house plant because it's they're big leaves, but let it do its thing. Mm-hmm. And if you do... Care for it as a houseplant, fertilize it as you would any of your houseplants, put it outside for the summer if you wish, right through till August, uh, then you will have a nice fat juicy bulb to flower again next Christmas. So if if you haven't watered it since the flowers and the whole thing has just dried up and died, then compost. Um, the other question that Kim snuck in was, uh, the leaves on her orchids are getting yellow. What should I do? Well, I feel like saving this question for next week. Yeah. We, we have Terry Kennedy here next week, our orchid expert, I think what Terry would say is, how often are you watering it? If you're overwatering it, they're going to turn yellow. If you're underwatering it, it's going to turn yellow. So it could be a water issue. But again, it is quite appropriate. Orchids can bloom mm-hmm. year-round and bloom for months at a time. So get to the store, get yourself a good quality orchid fertilizer, or go to the Orchid Show and Sale February 9th and 10th at the Toronto Botanical Gardens, where There are over 30,000 exotic orchids on display and for sale. There's guided tours, growing supplies, so Mm -hmm. excellent high-quality orchid fertilizer will be for sale at the Orchid Show. There's art and photography. Actually, I bought some art there for my daughter one time. Remember you and I and Sydney went together? Yeah, that's right. But then you had to take off early and Sydney and I kept hanging around. She fell in love with this beautiful, it's really quite a beautiful... 
gra- um, orchid, obviously. It was a framed <laughs> <clears throat> print, and I bought it for her <clears throat> because I'm that kind of a mother. Seminars, lots of great seminars by orchid experts, also happening at the Orchid Show. So that's my suggestion, Kim. If you can get, if you are in Toronto, I don't, you don't tell me where you live, but get to the Orchid Show to get yourself some good fertilizer, or go to your local garden center and get get fertilizing. Well, as most people realize, I am not the gardener that. Charlie is. I would think they would have realized that by now. (laughs) Heard this from the truth. But no, but I'm just, all I'm saying is, uh, even as a person such as I, to go to the garden or the uh, orchid show, yeah. it blows you away. Yeah. Uh, there are thousands and thousands of orchids. They're absolutely beautiful. I know. It's, it's a real feast for the eyes. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I just want to mention, too, that, you know, how much I, I love you, but I also hate you. Because, again, <laughs> you're going on another holiday. Oh, I know. I know. <sighs> well, Shirley and I are going to head down and uh, catch a little uh, sunshine in Florida. Good. Uh, first part of February and uh, returning. Uh, I'll be coming back on the 22nd. Yes, yeah, so you're gone uh, for Feb- two Saturdays. Two Saturdays, yes. So while you're away, I will mm-hmm. have some guests joining me because I get kind of yeah. lonely in here oh, all sure. by myself. You know, and Sebastian is just only so much fun, right? <laughs> so I, I, I've got a couple yeah. of extra people coming in. So just, again, a heads up on this and mark it on your calendars. Saturday, February the 9th, Paul DeGroot will be here. Paul is a famous, he's famous for his love of trees. Uh, he works at a tree nursery. He is so excitable, too. Hamlet. He gets you excited about <laughs> stuff. It's true. He, it's because it's, it's contagious. Well, you know? that, exactly. He, so he will be here keeping us all company while Frank languishes in Florida. <laughs> and Paul knows everything about trees. So yeah. keep your tree questions. And he's got very strong opinions. So, you know, he's happy to share those with you. The following Saturday, February 16th, Sean James will join us. Mm-hmm. And Sean has been here in the past. He has, he's just, he's been a passionate you know, lover of all living creatures from when he was a baby, I think. He just knows so much about everything. Like, you, I was sitting with breakfast with him one time when you weren't here, and we're, you know, at High Park, and he's looking out the window, and he goes, oh, look, and he starts naming, all, like, all the birds with their Latin names, right? And I couldn't oh, even geez. see these birds, and he was like, oh, there's a such and such. I go, what's a such? He goes, a snowy owl. I'm like, I can't even see that white owl on the snow, but he could, you know? So, I mean, he's amazing. So, he'll be here He's a designer, he's a teacher, and he has been on the show. The following week, when you're back, February 23rd, this is a pretty exciting month, actually. So February 23rd, Stephen Biggs and his daughter, Emma, will be here. Now, Emma has just published a book. She's 12 years old. She has just, I just received it yesterday in the mail. I was looking at it. It's a ton of fun. It's a gardening book by a kid for kids. Oh, wow. Is you that are a gonna, terrific idea? You're going to love this book, actually. It's just full of great pictures and graphics. Oh, marvelous. And kids having a blast in the garden. Well, now, Stephen and his family live in North York, uh-huh. and Emma is his oldest of three children, and she's been you know, his his co-gardener since she could walk, I think. So she's just written this book. So they'll, Stephen and, and Emma will be here to come in and tell us about Just a word in case they're tuned in this morning. Please bring some books. I'll buy some from you. Okay. Well, I've got granddaughters. And, there you go. Yeah, a grandson, too. That's right. So, Well, one per family would be great, because it's just a great, great book. Well, yeah. Oh, and I should have probably brought it just to show you. Um, if I think of it, I'll bring it next week yeah. and show you what yeah, the book okay. looks like. That's it's cool. very, very nice. Gee, we're, right. uh, looks, look, we'll look at the time. Oh, Yikes. running out of time. Yeah. And uh, so we're off for breakfast, and it's your Yes, uh, my your turn to I'm pretty hungry. I'm pretty hungry. Toast and water for you. I think steak and eggs might be in order. (laughs) Maybe some French toast or maybe the big breakfast. (laughs) Thanks, Gerald. What do you do? What do you got going on this afternoon? Uh, Well, one o'clock. 
tons of fun, uh, sort of an afternoon delight for everybody. Nice. Uh, oh, you've got a guest. Music. You've got a guest coming yes, in, too. Yes, I do. Yeah. John McDermott. I'll be talking wow. to John at about quarter to two, because <laughs> he's got a number of uh, terrific concerts coming up, and I thought, I'll let everybody know where he's, you know, yeah. what, what he's up to. Good stuff. He's such a good guy. Good for you. Yo. And then you're back tomorrow, too, doing the big band. Well, That's the big band Saturday, on, uh, Sunday night. Sunday yes, night, yeah. 7 o'clock to 11 o'clock. Boy, oh, boy. Oh, boy. boy. No wonder you can't sleep. You're just... <laughs> That's right. It's Frank, he's everywhere. Thanks, Frank. Thank you, Charlie. And Sebastian. See you all again next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740.